Is hot girl summer still happening this year? How many carbs are in a white claw? If I squat every day, will I get a dump truck? I'm Shay. I'm Leah. We are Two Tone Training. Training. You're listening to Don't Tone Alone. He's my friend. He's your friend. He's our friend. Brian, a friend. What up? What's going on? How many times did you practice that? No, I honestly, it just came to me. I was going to ask you how many times other people have done that to you. And that one's, that's a new one, but the, uh, I get stopped by almost every TSA agent and they always have something to say about my last name. I love that. It's cool though. Like ours. Um, I don't know if you know it. So our last name is Dowdy, but we definitely get duty a lot. Yeah. Which is just really disappointing <laughs> because I'm like, D O U do you pronounce loud lewd? I didn't think so. So why are you saying duty? Rude, rude. Subconsciously, they just wanted to say it. They just do. Even some of my friends from school literally call me like duty pants or like poop, and I'm like, oh, "Oh, that's that's affectionate. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I guess we're gonna roll with that. Now I just, yeah, now I just said it on the podcast, so can't wait for like all my coworkers and you know everyone (laughs) to just start calling me that. It's great. It's great. Um, but Brian, we're really excited to get to talk with you again. We missed you. It's been a few. It's what has it been? Two weeks now? Mm, I think one week. One week. Right? I think just when we are two. Okay. Yeah. Well, right. um, Who's counting? No one's counting. Um, you were actually our first official guest. And I think the audio probably did not come through for a reason because they wanted us to meet again. Right. Right. Um, so for those of you who don't know who Brian Friend is, he's a coach, he's an analyst, a writer, broadcaster, coordinator, all things CrossFit. Like he, I feel like you are like the guy to go to. Well, that's, uh, that's very nice of you. I certainly have a lot of people that I defer to for a lot of things, but Just, I fill a lot of different roles. Yes. So how did, how did you get these titles? How did you come into the CrossFit space? Well, I've originally just came as a member at a gym. Um, I had some friends who had started doing CrossFit in 2011 or 12. And uh, I came, I was work, living internationally at the time and I, I came back to pursue a relationship that went south. I was very depressed. Mm-hmm. And they said, you're coming to the gym. And so I did. <laughs> and Blessing was, in disguise. It, yeah, it changed my whole life. I mean, it, it originally, it just served as a one hour distraction from that sadness for me. And yeah. then uh, I never left. Then the gym that I first trained at is the one that I coach at now, although I was gone for a majority of the time between 2014 and 18 just out doing some different things. And then came back a few years ago and they offered me a job and now I coach there full time. Wow. So like, how have you like climbed the ranks, like I, ranks and stuff? Like, I feel like a lot of people in the industry. And I mean, I think a lot of the athletes definitely like appreciate what you have to say, even just like the engagement on your mm-hmm. posts. Um, I also, I mean, I noticed recently, I think even just like discussing some of like the controversial topics in CrossFit definitely get people like kind of chatting. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I just took an interest in the sport early on. You know, we, we, we signed up for the open the first year I was doing CrossFit. I signed up for the open after a few months. And then that season, it was 2014, there was a regional here in Chicago at Navy Pier. So I went to it with my friends and I was interested in what was going on there. But I, and there were some things that I thought were really good about it and some things that I thought could be a lot better. Um, but I've always had this kind of, uh, I just like making things up, making games up for fun and type thing. So even that first year, we did a little fantasy related thing between the regionals leading into the games. And that was actually a cool year for the games. because It was Rich Froning's last year as an individual and Matt Fraser's first year. 
And I didn't realize obviously at the time, how big of a transition that would be for the sport. Um, and it was also the year before Tia and Katrin and Sarah showed up and started and, you know, started dominating the scene for a few years. And like, obviously Katrin and Tia have continued to for a long time. So it was kind of a big shift in the sport. And I was just there as a newbie learning the ropes and starting to learn about the athletes. And I did that on my own for years before I had an opportunity to um, kind of contribute by accident almost to with the CrossFit podcast when Sevan was running it still at CrossFit HQ. This was the, in the 2018 Open. And things kind of went well there. So I, uh, he invited me out to, to HQ and I did a podcast with Tommy Marquez. And then we would, went on oh, the road. Fun. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was a cool experience because as a guy who was just basically studying the sport on my own time as a hobby, Mm-hmm. And I should say, like, I was studying more than the sport. I, I read a lot of Greg's original journal articles. Um, there was something called, I think it was like the hopper of journal articles. It was like 30 that you must read. And then there was a second hopper, 30 more that you must read. And I read all of those. I had gotten my level one. So I, and I still have the level one manual and I referenced it like every day when I would coach. So if we were snatching, I would go to level one and remind myself about the snatching cues and just try to apply it. Cause it's only a weekend to take the course but then it's really application of that over time. And they recommended 750 hours coaching before going for your level two. And I, so I tracked to know how, when I had reached 750 hours coaching, I stopped tracking after that. I have no idea what I'm at now. Oh my gosh. And if actually, you had a ballpark estimate, do you, yeah. do you have an idea? It's hard to say because I, then I spent, I actually got an OPEC certification in 2017 and I was coaching like two dozen people privately, like personalized training for them every day for a year, basically. So I kind of, you know, it's not exactly the same, but if you program for a gym for a year, you know, that's a year's worth of programming. But if you program for two dozen people for a year, is that two dozen years worth of programming or coaching? I don't know how to you know, quantify that. <laughs> oh my but, gosh. So where do you keep all this programming? Like, do you type it out? Like, or do you like, is it old school? You write it out, you save it in a, a binder? <laughs> no, no, there's a pl- online platform called True Coach that pretty much all of oh, them. I think that's coacher. I think most people use that to deliver information um, if it's not in person. I actually okay. just got back from Wadapalooza and for the first time in three years, I took on a personal training client again. So I'm coaching one person in addition to the other things I do. And he's a member at our gym. So I have an opportunity to interact with him face to face. And I just program for him day, day by day. Um, anyway. That's a digression, but, uh, no, no, that's incredible. So after now kind of circling back to Wadapalooza, what are some of your thoughts, um, on like the event? How do you think it went? Also, I know the morning chalk up kind of shared some of like your thoughts and also some of like the underrated athletes who might've not gone, um, gotten some like airtime or um, been in the forefront of the media. That's, you know, that was kind of the original thing that got me interested in and seeing if there would be eventually a way to contribute to the sport, because I remember a time when people would win their heat or win an event and they wouldn't even get recognized by their name. Sometimes the MCs wouldn't know, or the broadcasters wouldn't know. And they'd say the winner of the heats in lane six. And I thought that was like, not that fair to the athletes because I know now more so than I did then how hard it is just to get onto that competition floor, whatever the competition is. Right, yeah. And how much work that you know goes into even the last place person who's there. So then to right. do all that work and show up, and I don't care if you're a teenager or a team or a 
individual or one of the best in the world. Like if you win the event, if you're doing well, if you did something cool on the floor, I thought you should get the name recognition. And so I've continued to try to, to push that narrative, I guess, in all the different ways that I have been able to. And so with Wadapalooza, you know, it's a good example though. It's hard. You know, there are 40 men and 40 women or so competing there, but there's an additional 35 teams of three elite men and three elite women. So now you're looking at 300 athletes just in the elite division. And then there's, there's 50 other divisions of people competing at Wadapalooza. So, yeah. so what's realistic in terms of how many stories can you really tell? How many names can someone really know? Mm-hmm. But I've been, um, this has happened sometimes in my life. There's just certain things that I remember. And I'm sure you guys have that too. Like you probably have yeah. a friend who knows all the movies and knows all the actors and all the movies. <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible at that. Yeah. But I'm really good at remembering CrossFitters for some reason. And so I know a lot of names and like, even if I don't know a lot about them, I'll be like, no, I know I've seen that name before somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I can make, you know, make a lot of connections that way. More recently, so, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just, I was just going to say, so after the weekend, like, do you feel like those underdogs did get some sort of recognition or there's still a few people that you feel like kind of got the short end of the stick? Well, after I, after I published that article, there were several people who reached out to me and said, what about this person? What about this person? And can't please everyone. No, 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 but my, I had, I, once I get like two or three of the same messages, I'm assuming there's going to be some other ones coming. So I just kind of had a stock response that I come up with. And in this case, it was, there were dozens of athletes that I could have picked for that article. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be selective. um, And I have like my own criteria of how I do that of athletes who, so like in that case, those are athletes who they weren't, they weren't only good that weekend. Like I've been watching them for a little while. And I thought that this was a good opportunity to highlight them. There are several other athletes that competed at Wadapalooza this weekend who have been on my radar for shorter periods of time or have now put themselves on my radar that, that yes, I would love to give them a lot of attention, but there's, you know, if, if I said, here's two dozen athletes that didn't get a lot of attention at Wadapalooza, then it's watered down. So three men and three women is like a small enough number where they can still, people can learn about those athletes and be looking for them this upcoming season, but it's not, um, you know, and it's still a big enough number where I feel like I can do justice to the fact that there were a lot of people there that, you know, did some really cool things. And just by the nature of how the sport is right now, the stories didn't get told as much as they could have been. Yeah. I mean, I feel like CrossFit is still developing for sure. Mm -hmm. It's definitely one of those, um, just like sports, I guess that just hasn't been recognized the same way. Some of, um, I guess the other sports, um, yeah, have been the other performance sports. Um, I think even for the athletes too, like I remember there were even like some articles that were coming out that just they're saying these athletes are just like not getting the attention they deserve as far as, or even like the value that they deserve. Um, cause making money, you're training so hard, but are they able to like, how are they making an income um, to able to offset their training hours? That's hugely variable and is a big point of conversation right now. Um, and I actually, I don't know if you guys know, I, I have taken an interest in disc golf recently in the past couple of years. Love that for you. Add it to the list. <laughs> and there's some, I've, I've noticed some comparisons between disc golf and CrossFit. And this is primarily one of them is that there's a small group of athletes at the top of the sport that are doing very, very well financially, whether it's, or, you know, prize money winnings at competitions or sponsorship. And in the case of disc golf, especially, there's been some really lucrative 
you know, million dollar per year contracts for some of the best guys in the world. Do we need to get into this culture? Jinx, jinx. Sounds oh, like it. Certainly, I, w- I would be happy to play with you guys if we were in the same locale it. next time. It's going down. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> but anyway, you know, and in CrossFit is the same. And you guys probably know. And and um, if you just kind of just if you just track the Instagram followers, most of the a- athletes in CrossFit who are close to or above a million, those are the ones that are definitely doing well. And they have those many followers because they're either very, very good, were very, very good, or were good enough and marketable enough to make a big impact on you know, the market, social media, whatever. But there's maybe a dozen that are like really making the type of money that you'd expect yeah. a pres- professional athlete to make. Right. And then every year, and I say this, like, and I really mean this on the men's in the men's field alone, if there's 40 athletes that make the games, there's another hundred that could be there. And you wouldn't know the difference. Like they're just as good as the bottom 20 guys at the games. But and then there's another the games, thousand, right. right. And yeah. then there's another thousand that really aren't that far away from that. I don't think that it's as deep on the women's side yet, but yeah. there's, you know, maybe there's two thirds of that number for, for women. And so now you're looking at close to 2000 athletes that are trying to make this their career and a dozen that are actually sustaining a professional athlete salary. <laughs> like if the sport wasn't competitive enough, I know it's so crazy to think about. And like, I remember, I mean, I played division three basketball and lacrosse, but like just being an athlete is tough enough on its own, but then I can't even imagine the added pressure of like being marketable. Like, like it's, it's such a, your, your mental space is so clouded already as it is just with the rigorous training. And then having that added pressure of like, if I'm not marketable enough, I'm not going to get paid. And if I can't get paid, then I can't train enough hours. And like, it's just this never ending cycle. And, you know, and speaking of the, like the never ending cycle, unfortunately for CrossFit starting after the games in 2018, when Glassman disbanded the media department at CrossFit HQ and he restructured the format of the games for 2019, we've seen a different iteration of CrossFit as a sport and CrossFit being covered from a media perspective almost every season or every season, really. And so there hasn't been a lot of consistency. And when there's not a lot of consistency, it's sometimes hard to get outside buy-in. So I know, for example, from working the sanctionals during the 2018, 19, and 19, 20 season, that a lot of those sanctional directors were investing time, a lot of time and energy and resources into acquiring big sponsors from outside the CrossFit space. And you've probably seen some of these, you probably saw some at Wadapalooza, but you know, um, Chipotle has gotten involved in some regards, car companies like Ram and Volvo, Porsche was a sponsor at Strength and Depth one year. So there's some like big companies with big money that have been interested in the CrossFit space. But with the changes in the season structure and then COVID hitting, canceling a season, the next season basically being unpredictable in terms of what happened, then there's a new, now there's a new owner, then there was another new structure for the mm-hmm. season, and now they fired the guy who's synonymous with the CrossFit game sport. Oh so now they're turning another page and looking at a whole nother, you know, basically blank canvas of what's this going to be without Dave Castro. So you can see that if you're trying to sell to a, a mark, a TV company and say, Hey, do you want to, ha- do you want to be on CBS? We'll cover yeah. the, the semifinals and the games this year. Well, what's that look like? What did it look like last year? What are your numbers from three years ago? There's nothing to, to point to. And similarly 
with some of those, especially the international competitions, primarily in Europe, Canada, Australia, that have more stringent um, situations than some of the states in the U.S. have, it's been hard to have any live competitions. And if you don't have live competitions, then it's hard to get sponsorship opportunities. So we've, you know, for some reasons that are CrossFit's fault, some are that are not. These last four years have been really, really difficult to string together any con consistent that could lend itself to building up the, you know, the overall financial situation in the sport. It's wild. So I guess kind of tying it back into Waterpalooza and kind of what's next for CrossFit. What, where do you see, I guess, the sport, the sport going? I mean, I, I, when, when Greg Glassman sold or was forced to sell the company, I always thought that there was the chance that, that this would happen, that Dave Castro or the nucleus of the games team would be replaced in some manner, how that would happen, why that would happen and what it would look like were kind of the unknowns. And, you know, I'm kind of in a, in a holding pattern, in a wait and see. I wasn't that impressed with the timing of that announcement. Re regardless of what you think about the announcement, the timing of it seems a little uncertain. And if I was going to make a decision that big that I knew was going to be that divisive or, or um, you know, there'd be people on both disruptive. sides. Yeah. Disruptive. Yeah. I would want to have something on the back end of that for people to rally around. And I didn't mm -hmm. see that. You know, I saw like, we're, we have different plans for the future and this guy's not a part of it. And then there was nothing else. What? Like, well, what are, yeah. every, obviously everyone wants to know what those plans for the future right. are, but so far all I've heard is this season's going to look like last season and last season was okay. And I've spoken on some other platforms recently about that. There are things I think that could be fairly simple things that could be done to improve the overall structure of the season. But I, again, I don't have, I'm not in the backroom meetings. I'm not listening. You know, I'm sure that there are things contributing to those decisions that I don't know about. Um, but from over here and probably for, if I'm seeing it, a lot of other people are probably looking from the outside, asking the same questions. Like you say that things are going to change, but you, you know, like if you're CrossFit, you have to know that the announcement surrounding semifinals was going to be a big deal. People want to know what they are, where they are, how often they are, and what's the, and what's the payout there? Because it was a very disappointing, and especially in the financial regard for the athletes, coaches, managers, et cetera, last season. And instead they announced, and it's, you know, the timing of it was unfortunate with Matt, Matt O'Keefe leaving loud and live. And they had to like rally a last minute and decide, are we going to hold off on this announcement? Or are we going to announce eight of the 10 and two unknown ones? But even if you decide to announce two unknown ones, you could say, Hey, We've been forced, based on recent situations, we've been forced to reevaluate two of the semifinals. We wanted to give you eight of them anyway, and the other two, we're working on it, and we'll have some information soon. But when you just release 10 with nothing behind it, you're inviting criticism again. So I don't know why CrossFit's consistently doing things that they know are going to be criticized heavily by the community. Not announcing the prize purses, you know that people aren't going to like that. Saying, no, 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 don't worry, our next announcement's going to have those. It's like, wow. Well, why? Why isn't it going to be in this announcement? Or why don't you just wait till you have all the information that you know people want? And if you actually want to make a change going forward, then make the change starting with the first action step you do after firing Dave. I feel like Brian, you've got to you've got to get, get in the back room. Yeah, like someone get to listen this to this podcast. Someone's got to get Brian to the top of CrossFit headquarters, and you got to fix this. It doesn't have to be like me. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people with good ideas and I've had these conversations with many people. Um, and yeah, I guess the one thing is 
I wish that I knew or, or that I you know, had some semblance of information about why they're choosing to do these things. To me, as someone who just, if you just want to watch the sport or just want to participate in the sport, it doesn't make sense that there could be 38 days between the time that one athlete and another athlete qualify for the same competition and are expected to then be on the same level of preparedness entering that competition. 38 days is like in nearly an entire training cycle. <laughs> There's so much that like goes into it. Also, I guess uh, Lee and I are still kind of like on the outside of CrossFit. We're definitely trying to like kind of make our way in. And it's, I mean, I just find so much of it so fascinating. What would you say to the people who are kind of looking at CrossFit and it's still not like sectioned into like age, weight, height? That's it. I mean, that that's a topic I've considered frequently <laughs> and I've tried to do some um, data analysis surrounding like the ideal weights and, and heights for CrossFit yeah. athletes, but the, I'm dependent on the athletes to list their actual weights and heights for that. And so <laughs> like one good example is Matt Fraser forever on his game site, he was listed at five, seven after he retired, he said, yeah, I'm probably like five, five. So when I'm doing an analysis of what's the average yeah, height and weight of off. men, yeah. Of what's the, what's the average height and weight of men over the last five years who've been able to finish in the top 10 at the games. And so I would use something like that to have a conversation about what you just asked. So we could see, okay, on average, they're 5'10", 195. On average, the women are 5'4", 145. And then what's the, what's the outlier? What's the heaviest, tallest, lightest, mm -hmm. shortest athletes? And how often does that happen? And whatever. So then you could do like some kind of analysis. But when I find out that, well, a guy who's been in the sport, in the top 10, every one of those five years is skewing his height by two inches. And I wonder who else is skewing their height and how reliable right. is this data actually? So I only have more like theoretical answer to that. Um, and I, and the basic answer is I don't think the sport is big enough yet to have a height and weight, weight class divisions. Um, but if it was going to be the case, I would say that for the men, if you're six, three and like oh, six, three or taller and two fifteen and taller, you're pretty much sized out. Like there's no one who's that size. That's uh, in both the height and weight. Right. I think Fikowski's like the closest and he's listed six, two, two fifteen usually. Um, and then there's, you know, like they said, there's no one else who's been able to have that kind of success at that size. And on the smaller side of things, I guess you'd say Matt Frazier's if, if he's really five, five is the outlier in terms of height. Most of the guys are Five eight five to five eleven, um, and then weight wise is a little tricky for the guys because apparently he was I mean he was competing at one ninety five to two hundred pounds at only five foot five which is right in line with kind of the average. Um, so if you're looking at like a light athlete that's been able to make it in the top ten in a regular game season like one eighty is probably the bottom for men, and then for women I would say anything over five seven and one sixty to one sixty five is probably too like too heavy and too tall to have any really significant success in CrossFit. And under 120 and under 5'1 is probably also going to be. A wow, this is like so interesting. And also, I, I do feel like age plays a factor. Like, I right. even think I'm like, Leah, just wait till you turn 27. Your back starts getting yeah. like I, So I can only imagine. But I mean, you see the way like Patrick Vellner like moves and like is still able to move. And it's freaking incredible. And then and then on the women's side to see like Mal O'Brien, which is how old is she? she she's really young. yeah her and and uh emma carrie i think they'll be 18 this year i don't know when and their then, birthdays are mal brian is just all i'm saying is goals freaking goals yeah and then how mm -hmm. old is tia tia's like in, uh 28 i think and then okay. sam briggs who still made the games last year is 39 so you're looking at three That's decades so 18 28 and 38 
and being able to qualify for the games. But it's totally different, again, for women. Since they added the 35 to 39 uh, age division as a master's category, several women have qualified in that age division, and hardly any men have. The one who has continued to do so is Jason Smith, competing out of Africa, where there's just not as much depth of competition to make, you know, he's still the fittest guy in Africa at 37. That's amazing. Um, I have like so many more questions. So Brian, we're definitely gonna have to do another one before we get out of this pot. We're, we're timed on podcast studio time, but I do have a question for you. What was kind of the highlight for like quickly, what was the highlight for you from Wadapalooza? Did you have a favorite athlete to watch? Oh, a favorite athlete to watch. Um, I was going to say like, I, <clears throat> I really like the, um, the, the Friday, Saturday, like Bayside Friday night, Flagler Saturday night that they have. And obviously those, those are also really good events and good weather. And so those were like kind of highlight events for me. And then they had the fireworks that night. Yeah, that was obviously everyone loves that. Uh, favorite athlete. I think that for me, it's not so much like um, favorite athletes. It's just athletes that I was impressed by. And so I'll just pick, um, I was really impressed with Lucy Campbell for the women. And I was really impressed with Samuel Cornwallier for the men and especially with Samuel, because I knew his his games did not go anywhere like what, what he had expected it to go due to potentially getting sick from the lake. And I thought he could have had a really good run at the games this year. So I was happy that he had a good competition on his next live competition. Good. All right. Well, shout out, shout out. Um, I love um, just like, yeah, like you said, giving some of those athletes recognition for their hard work. Um, and our last and final question for you, Brian, so athletes, let's talk athletes. Yes. yes. Okay. So you have to pick one to vacation with one to get stuck in an elevator with and one to train with any CrossFit, athletes, of course, any athlete, any CrossFit, athlete. CrossFit athletes. So first let's talk about vacation. Yeah. If you could pick any athlete to go on vacation with who would it be and why? I think I'm going to, I think if you're going to go on vacation, you want someone who's like down for anything up for any adventure. So I would probably go with Ricky Garrard, actually. Ricky, we met oh him and his my god! Yeah, I feel like he'd be a time. Yeah. Yeah, like I think I just would imagine he'd have fun in pretty much any environment. So that might be a fun one to vacation with. Plus, got to do a podcast with him after Wadapalooza and get to know him more on a human level. And he seemed like a pretty normal and cool guy. So maybe I choose Ricky for that. We'll have to arrange that for you guys. We'll, we'll be sending <laughs> along the travel itinerary shortly. Um, well, if you want to invite us as well. Like, yeah, yeah. We can. We, we can don't say no to yeah. a good time. All right. Stuck in an elevator with. Stuck in an elevator with. I would probably choose um, Brent Fikowski. I mean, I've spoken with Brent a few times, but you want to have someone that's a good conversationalist that can like yeah. challenge your ideas on some things. So I think I'd go with Brent for that one. Okay. And we got a winner. And do you think he could fix the elevator? Does he seem like that kind of guy? Yeah, he might, you know, he might be the guy who pries open the ceiling piece, climbs <laughs> up on top. Like, solution right. I see that for him. I, a good pick, a good pick for sure. And then what about train with? I think I'm going to cheat on this one. And I would say I'd like to, I think if I could train with someone, I'd go train with the uh, underdogs athletic crew in Vegas. Hey, send us to Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. I know we keep saying we want to like, just go just to like scope it out. And, and, and you know what, they would like, they would definitely have me out there to do that. They would welcome you guys in to do that for sure. But really, um, both Bethany Shabron and Daniel Brandon are super fascinating athletes to me for very different reasons. 
And so I think, you know, training with, with a pair of them would be a pretty cool because they've both managed to get to a similar level in the sport, but they go about, I think their lives and their training and even just the way their bodies are and move very differently. So I think it'd be fun to do a training session with them. I was going to say that was uh, Bethany, I think was my favorite um, athlete to watch. Yeah, she's captivating, sure. captivating. Incredible body and incredible mover. She, like, she moves very, very well, but it's not a mistake. She yeah. spends a lot of time focusing on the details and, um, right. and the nuances of training and preparing her body that not everyone's patient enough or willing enough to do. Hard work, Just, not going under yeah. this. So much respect for all of the athletes. And I'm so glad that they have someone like you who has a voice um, for the underdogs because I think that's so important. So um, shout out to you for, for, being, for being that person. And Brian, before we wrap this up, where can people find you? Time's up. Uh, Brian Frank CrossFit <laughs> on Instagram. And then, uh, you know, I write uh, quite a bit for the morning chalk. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brian. And we're definitely, um, if you guys don't follow him, make sure you do, especially if you're look, if you're someone who's whether in CrossFit, you probably already follow him or right. just looking to learn more about it. Um, I feel like he's your guy. Thanks. All right, guys. Well, Leah, wrap this up. You can tone from home. You can tone from your phone. But all we ask is, is that, that you don't, don't tone alone. alone. Bye, guys.